This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This holiday season, head over to Metal Blade Records web store for their label's annual Chris Massacre promotion. Featuring ugly Christmas sweaters, ornaments, mugs, and more. New Metal Blade merchandise is also available, along with shirts and exclusive editions from an array of artists. Get your holiday shopping done now at MetalBladeStore.com. Once again, MetalBladeStore.com. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petr Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. It is I, your host, Petr Spych. I am always joined by... You can call me Mr. Hahn, you handsome son of a bitches. Sons of bitches. There you go. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and Facebook. <laughs> at Mr. Hahn Comedy. Do it. And? And you can find me, Sylvia Alvarado, at uh, It's the Sylvia, Instagram, and Twitter. I for- almost forgot it. Yeah. Almost forgot yeah, it. Almost and forgot it. And always follows, guys, our other co-host, Jocelyn Sharp, at Jocelyn Sharp. It's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend. On Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, I get to chat with Clint Lowry. Of course, we all know him from Seven Dust, but we are here to talk about his solo debut full-length record, God Bless the Renegades. That is coming out January 31st of 2020, guys. Make sure you're pre-ordering it. We'll play some songs. Real fun chat, so hang in there for that interview. But until then, as always, we'd like to jump in and discuss a little bit of the Metal Sucks news. Now... Last week we did a music episode. Mm. We did a, a, an excellent live record episode. It the, was excellent. These two don't like live records. What? Oh, it's, huh? It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, not too much of a stretch, but okay. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> so we kind of glossed over like the big news of last week, which was the Motley Crew reuniting four years after they said they would never tour again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the cool thing, though, as articles kept coming out, because if you guys haven't heard, I'm sure you have Motley Crue's reuniting to do a stadium tour here in North America with the likes of Def Leppard and Poison, right? So it's a it's hair metal extravaganza. Although I I'm I do like Def Leppard. I don't like the other two bands. You guys are fans. I like Def Leppard. Okay, Def Leppard's great life. Like Motley Crue, I like to mm. I, I enjoy Is it a guilty when I, pleasure. They're fun. I they're get it. They're a fun yes. group and they get, you know, and some, you know, Nikki Six gets a flamethrower. I you know, I'm, I'm in if the oh, tickets the, are the 15 drums. bucks. The drums. If the tickets are 15 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's kind of a segue into what we're going to talk about. So, the 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 cats over at Metal Sucks, they did a little bit of this math because there was rumors that um, Live Nation said that they would give Motley Crue $150 million to reunite for this tour. These are these are rumors that happened ahead of time before it got announced. Then Motley Crue did a whole PR thing, just like the awesome Kiss does, just kind of blew up the contracts that they signed, thinking that we would think that's cool. But in essence, that was kind of lame in my mind. I'm like, really? Okay, we knew you were going to reunite. Just not this soon. Anyway, so... Now we find out that the tour is going to happen. It's a stadium tour with the bands I just mentioned. And then they did the math here. If they were to pay $150 million from Motley Crue, and Motley Crue got $2 million per show, Def Leppard got $1 million, and Poison $250,000, they would have to, at the average of a $70 ticket, sell 46,000 tickets to break even per show. That's insane. For to Motley Crue to, to Motley even Crew. think that that's a possibility. Okay. I, there's no... Okay. It'd be one thing if they did 
like four stadiums, okay, sure. all across America, and they they kind of you know strategically planned them. We're gonna go here, and then these states will combine. Where it's kind of limited, kind yes. of like Rage Against the Machine. Yes, exactly yes. my point. Yes, mm-hmm. Rage Against the Machine is the perfect example. But I don't even think Rage Against the Machine is going to be able to sell 45,000 tickets. That is insane. That's an insane show. Now, again, the price tag on this ticket, I'm going to assume, is going to have to be within. They're going to have, obviously, the upfront tickets that are going to be much more. But like the average price tag of the ticket, how much can it be more than $70 in your guys' mind? Oh, it can. I think. I don't think it can. I think about the 70, nosebleeds have got to be forty bucks. Well, dude, tops. you go to these, you go to these uh, festivals, and you'll drop one hundred and twenty-five dollars for two days. Mm-hmm. And those are the cheapies, yeah. but those are for two days mm-hmm. worth of show. Yeah. You're getting one day with three bands, and God knows how long each band is going to play. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Like, uh, I can only imagine they're going to play thirty-five, well, thirty-five, say, forty-five. Uh, no, I would imagine with three headliners, you're going to go hour, hour, hour and a half. Let's just say, okay, okay. you know, you're going to you're going to probably sure. get the. But can you play an hour and a half with Mick Mars shuffling around? Last, last time, he's in bad shape. We saw Motley Crue on the final tour, and they played ninety minutes. I mean, it was all backing tracks, and Vince Neil didn't sing a lick of a word. You know, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. being honest. He no, did. you're totally right. He yeah. lip synced the whole and show, 90, and, and there it, was these girls like, the, like no, lip syncing with them. They were hitting the high no, notes. Oh, they were hitting them. I thought they were lip syncing too. Personally, Dude, in but. ninety in ninety minutes, you saw Mick Mars go from one side of the stage. To the other, creeping death to the other. You're right, dude. It it took him a long time, and I'm not trying to bash McMars because God bless him, but it's like, I mean, come on, you know. And and again, he's very stiff. He's very old. Exactly, he's very, very stiff, and that's the thing. That's because he's got disease going that Mm -hmm. fuses his bones together, which is amazing that he can still play guitar as good as he could play. But my thing is, is (laughs) (laughs) was that. Is that, I, you know, are you trying I, to say I, there I, was I a forgot. backing track? I hit the cough button. Are you I didn't tr- hit the cough button on the console. I just coughed when I, you said he played it so good. Yeah. I apologize. Okay, okay. But all I'm getting at is like, you know, obviously you want the original lineup. Everybody's still in love with the idea of Kiss getting back together with the original lineup, even though Ace Frehley and Peter Chris are complete fuck-ups. Yeah, but that's a great point you brought up, and I do want to touch on that, is that this is the original lineup. When we bring up Kiss, you don't have it. When you bring up even Slayer... It's it's fifty percent right of yeah. both of the bands. Well, that we're one of them died in Slayer. Completely, well, you know, you can't really. If somebody dies, I think you have the you have the okay to go outside and get somebody else. No, I agree with that, but I guess my point is it's still fifty percent. Still fifty percent. Right but Molly Crew yeah. is a hundred percent the band, right? I mean that that's. And a, again, you're going to stir up that nostalgia. You're going to have a bunch of chicks of that were hot in '84 showing up that are not so much now. But my thing is, is it's like with with Motley Crew. <laughs> Again, like I, I just can't see this happening. For forty five thousand, that's Each just night, a though. break even. That means in order for it to be a wildly successful tour, they got to have at least sixty thousand people. Sixty five thousand. That is a football game. That is a yeah. live football game. Damn near football stadiums usually hold about seventy two thousand people. Def Leppard is is got a they draw. So. Yes, you're right. And again, and Def Leppard, I, just like you said, I respect Def Leppard. They they put a lot of good music Poison, out there. We'll draw as well, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why, that's why it's the be, package. They're right? going to be the opening. Yeah. I think Motley Crue would kind of bring more of the younger audience just because of their um, their Netflix, the, the dirt. Yeah. yeah, the dirt. That's what I think. They're yeah, but how many on? young people, Sylvia? You're you're a would you, you would you? I, I would check them out, and I I have checked them out yeah. before. Like years how was Vince? Were, 
you know. He was puffy. <laughs> yeah. How was Vince? Ah, puffy. Her, yeah. her you he, know, is similar to my cough at McMahon's. Yeah, okay. He was, it was in, her, in his chunkier days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, Nick, my, yeah, Vince got stung by a bee. And, uh, I felt that Motley Crue did their final tour because they knew that they cannot put on a good show anymore. And they're like, this is our last go round. We don't, we, we don't have it anymore. See, that's I, what I think. See, originally, I, so. I, the last couple of times I've seen them, I've seen them when they did both their residency here, residencies here in Vegas. Yeah. And it was fun. There's lots of pyrotechnics. There was sure. lots of outside shit going on, which was the same thing Motley Crue has done for years where they just go, hey, look at how awesome this one thing is to take away the fact that Vince can't sing. You get what I'm saying? Sure. It's like, so they kind of. It's a distraction. Yes. Yeah. That's a, so they got tons of the distractions i mean one year tommy lee was in a he was on a drum set that was in a circle like roller yeah, that coaster was the last one yeah. and it was no that wasn't the last that one was that was the residency yeah the residency it was two our residencies buddy, our buddy went on that yes yeah. yes the first time they did, did the residency is when they did the roller coaster but again i mean that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. you know i mean this is a drum set going in a one complete circle like all up, i mean it's pretty cool yeah. but again i mean it's okay let's ask the question how much would you pay to go see this concert what's your limit Look, if I'm going to go with a bunch of friends, if I'm going to be going with a bunch of friends, we're just going there to kind of have a good time and have some laughs. I'm not going there to, you know, feel like I'm I'm one with my fellow man. I'm going there to get loaded and just sure. probably scream Armageddon it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're talking Def Leppard. Well, you're talking about the tour. I'm talking about... That's funny because I saw Def Leppard on their residency when they did Hysteria yeah. out here in Vegas. And it's in, did you see it? Yes. It was like 80% females in the crowd. It was like not many men. I was I was amazed. Hey. I was like, Def Leppard pulls a lot of women. But was Marley's attractive? Through, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not... No. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm going to say no. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to say they were age-appropriate attractive. Yeah. Okay. How's that? Okay. Is that fair? Okay, age-appropriate attractive. I mean, I'm not going to... And again, I can't speak for 80% of the crowd. But okay. Sure, sure, I mean, sure. did I... Did I um, See some beautiful women there? Absolutely. How's that? Okay. Thank okay. you, Pete. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to be oh, mean. Oh, you're so presidential. I don't want to be mean <laughs> Dude, to honestly, the Def Leppard crowd. You just made me look like the Mom? worst person in the world because my first answer was yes, no, yes without even thinking. Ugly. I'm like, yes. So anyways, um, I think that Motley Crue's draw is is more women-based as well. You guys disagree? Yeah, yeah. But okay, here's I the thing. I agree with that. Def Leppard draw, you're right. Okay. Let's separate here. Def Leppard draw, you're going to get, mm-hmm. I think, a little bit of classier older women you know what okay. i mean motley crew on the other hand it's like wow you know you're still alive type of draw mm. you know but like, with leather pants but with yeah but with patent leather pants okay that are kind of splitting down the leg oh and you might have you know does leather split uh well patent leather does oh my bad yeah you win yeah, you go. Touche, huh? <laughs> yeah. Touche, Mr. Hunt. So anyways, we are not, I mean, but back to the question, just to how much would you pay to see this concert? And I know you just went some, di- if I was going to get loaded and sing, you know, I'm on my way, home sweet home. I get that, but we've done that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably pay about 35 bucks. Okay. I'm not going to drop but 70 free, free bucks. Isn't, Sylvia, free what about isn't you? A, uh, an no, for, we would, that, and that's, that's what people don't realize. We would only go to this concert for free. Oh, for <laughs> yes. sure. For yes. sure. Okay. So I'm asking you how much okay. you would pay. The answer is not none. Yeah. Okay, You'd go okay. for free. Look at it this way. I dropped. We would have a great time if we went to any concert for free. I dropped $350 to go see Tool coming up here in January. Okay. But they're still like on fire live. Yes, I know that. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is like, I've dropped. So I, I am. I'm willing to pay money to go see an amazing band. Okay. Me saying I'm going to drop 35 bucks a ticket, and I'm not saying I'm going to buy my friend a ticket. You know what I mean? Like, would you uh, go early to watch Poison or just wait, miss them? I, I, would, would, I would miss Poison. Yeah. I would miss Poison hard. <laughs> 
Dude, it would have to be. Like, They're not even a draw to me. No, like, I don't yeah. even, like the no. package to me, like poison is just like, let me just throw some of you guys in there. The, Dude, uh, they wrote a song called Unskinny Bop. It's a rap. I don't need to see it. I've never heard of this. You're lucky. You're one of the lucky ones. Uh, hair metal is a redheaded stepchild to our genre. But you know what? It's though? super popular, but it's it's embarrassing. But on again, every level. I will say, like, here's the deal. If it were just Def Leppard and I'm going to go watch them pay 20 for two hours or something mm-hmm. like that, I'd probably drop $40. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Okay. So I would pay. A five dollars to not see poison and my crew. Just okay. F I would I would pay the forty dollars and maybe buy some merch. Oh, like a T-shirt. Yeah, but you're a, you're a younger her. person and you so? you and you like ripping up your shirt and making no, it look sexy and no, shit. I don't. That's, oh, Jocelyn does that. Never mind. I got you wrong. With I got you. Mixed I got you up. mixed up with. Jocelyn. I got you mixed up with the wrong millennial. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just like, what have you ever seen me rip up she my shirt? Cut her shirts up. Yeah. There. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, the point is, I think this tour was done because someone offered Motley Crue way more money than they're worth and yes. they had to say yes. So no fault to Motley Crue whatsoever, but do I think this tour is going to be a financial success for whoever put the money in? Not at all. No, Live dude. Nation I think is going to take a hit. I really think Motley Crue's draw after the final tour, this four-year, re- is, is less. Even though The Dirt was a hit on Netflix, mm-hmm. I, I think it's less than it was. That's what I personally think. Yeah, I believe that. But again, I still think people. This is the one thing that hair metal does. That this is the one thing that hair metal gives. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give that deep of a message. It's all about. No, it's a, yeah, it's all about getting fucked up. It's all about fucking. It's and there's all always about, a ballad that, yes, that makes you want to cry. So yes. it does give a deep message. No, it's um, not. It's the same. Music. How deep it's are pop. the ballads? That's what I'm getting at. I you know? saw Red by Warrant made me cry. Anyways, I'm kidding. You get out of my face. Horrible, horrible. What's the, what's the Cinderella ballad that gets stuck in my head? Nobody's Fool. Nope. That song Nobody's gets stuck in my head. Fo- okay. It's, that yeah, video yeah, yeah. is classic, but that song is... Anyways, ballad... I, my we favorite. all remember White Snake with Tawny Katane, yeah. but that's pretty much where it tops out. But pop music is about sex, love... And having a good time. That's what pop music is. Hair metal follows that formula. Yes. If you think about the format of most metal that we listen to, they don't sing about sex, love, and having a good time. Very rarely. You Dude, know? in the 80s... Hair metal is pop music. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In the 80s, that was the last time when I believe rock was king was because they were singing uh, about that basic shit. The 90s, they were king, and they were singing about depression and shit. That's true. Two thousands, early two thousands, the new but metal. Nowadays, is king, but nowadays, but yeah. what I'm saying is, is like now rock is not singing about that shit. Rock is still singing about depression, and now it's like eh, whatever. They don't even bring them up at the Grammys anymore, you know. So it's like, and it's because they're not singing that party shit. So moving on to the next uh, story, guys, real quick. Slayer's manager says the band won't pull a Motley Crue in tour again. Now we didn't mention that Motley Crue is a hundred percent the band. But you don't think Slayer, four years from now, somebody says, hey, we'll give you $100 million to tour again, won't tour? Here's the thing with Slayer. Now, they, they, got one, they got one card that they can pull on their fans that everybody would love to see, and that card is Dave Lombardo. If they ever were to say five years from now, hey, we're going to do one more tour with Dave Lombardo, not one fan in the world would be upset. You agree? Um, no, you're totally right. But yeah. my thing is, is I'm, I'm going to go back to Sylvia's point. I could see Slayer getting back together for like – a four-show jaunt, and that's it. Yeah. The days of them being out on the road for months and months and months, I think that's over. And I, and this is the thing with Slayer, too. They're one of those bands that did it their way 100%. Absolutely. Were not swayed by anybody. And 
you know, once you hit a certain age, I just think that getting by on that, it's like, look, we're Slayer. No, there's there's never going to be a bigger metal band than Slayer. I really don't think. I mean, well, if you count Metallica, and, you know, but I mean, it's like, I know what you're saying. Like, but like thrash metal, that I mean, did it their own way. Metallica their didn't own do way. it their own way. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Metallica went radio friendly yeah, for a few yeah, years. They did, they did. Slayer never, never. did that, yeah. and so for them to reach that pinnacle and for them to stay on top, I mean. Yeah, the only way you could do it is if they got back together with Dave Lombardo and did like a four-show jaunt. But again, the world tours and all that stuff, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Hmm. Do you think it's because the music's very aggressive and just harder for them to keep up as they get older? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, dude, have you ever? It's hard. It's hard to play. Go yeah, ahead. because you're getting older, and yep. you know those those vocals are pretty aggressive. Yes. And you know, as you're getting older, your vocal cords aren't what they used to be. And Slayer's not going to do no. Lip singing. No. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> there's honor. There's honor to it. Well, like you know, they're not singing about uh, the pop music shit, baby. No, that's what I'm getting at. You know, and it's like so when you look at Slayer, and you look at Carrie King. I mean, I remember going to see Slayer the very first time. This is years ago. Mm-hmm. This is back when Pantera, Slayer. I think oh, that's the first time you saw him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was there with you. Yeah, you were there. Yep. And uh, I just remember watching Carrie King going. This guy is non-stop, just banging his head non-stop. Dude, I remember doing that maybe a few years ago, like really throwing my body into yeah. it. And I remember walking away going, fuck this. And I could only imagine what Carrie King is. It goes through every single night. Tom Araya, Tom Araya, he could sing like that forever. I don't even mm-hmm. think it's the singing that gets to him. I just think that when you when you are that old and you put that much aggression into your music, part of me thinks that they don't believe it anymore. They're like, look, man, I don't need to be this aggressive anymore. Is am I wrong for saying that? I know it's Slayer. I know it's forbidden to say that. No, no, no. no I, I don't think you're pe- wrong. People yeah. grow, yeah, but, know, but, from that angst. But what I'm saying is, but to say that to metal fans, though, like aggressive metal fans, to 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 insinuate well, that there's growth. Look, look at look at. We just mentioned Rage Against the Machines doing like seven dates, right? Yes, because their their show is really aggressive, and they can. Pick their choice. They can choose and then make the money and bounce. They're they're doing it for money. We right. can we can say that without being dicks. And I'd like to see where Isaac De La Roca is going. I want to see how aggressive he's going to mm-hmm. be. Look at the Misfits reunion. What was it? A couple dates here, a couple dates there, four shows at a time. Dave Lombardo's doing that. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're making their money and they're bouncing. They're not doing world tours across the world. They're just doing select areas so they can make their money and leave. Right. Right. Slayer, I think. Might be open to that later because there's going to be a paycheck where somebody's like, hey, we'll give you $500,000 to play one show or something like that. And they're going to have to be like at a festival and be like, well, fuck, we have to reconsider this. So it's possible. But on because, dude, let's be honest. who And that's what fans need to understand. Who's going to who's going to turn that down besides Skid Row? Right. Who's going to turn that down? That reunited thing for something like that. Yeah, that's exactly, and that's what I'm saying. But my deal is with Slayer, though. Again, this is a band that would tour nonstop. Okay, it was rare. Yeah, they never they, they they took off a year. Uh, I think when Lombardo left the first time before Divine Intervention. That's the first time mm-hmm. I saw him was ninety yeah. four. It was like Slayer or Biohazard. I can't remember. It was that Thomas and Mac, dude? But it was Divine Intervention. That was the first time I but saw. But dude, him. those guys yeah. are nomads, and they they're were on the. Yeah. They're I mean, they got families now and shit. I, my one of my favorite memes of all time is it's Tom Araya. He's at the Grammys no. and he's throwing up the Slayer sign and it's him with his family and he's all yeah and then his daughters are just like whatever dad you know <laughs> she just has like that disgust like oh god yeah. you're embarrassing me oh Jesus uh, dad oh, throwing up the horns no. you know? <laughs> right so yeah we will we will see but I mean I just I won't hold it against them but I that's the one 
trump card they have is Dave Lombardo. Everybody wants to see that. Look, They're, again... Dave Lombardo said that he's not going to play at Slayer's final show in Los Angeles. He said, I'm not doing it. My so. thing is this. This is the deal with Slayer. If Slayer goes on a tour and they do like a four-show jaunt, seven-show jaunt, just like bap, 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 they're only on the road for maybe a month. Mm-hmm. Every giant metal band in the game is going to want to be on that. Sure. It's going to want to be on that bill, and they're going to pull. And so they're, so the money can be made. My thing is with the, the tour that we were talking about before, it's like, look, these guys have all been on the road Motley Crue may not have been on the road recently, but everybody has seen them enough times at this point. So again, you're just capitalizing off nostalgia. And, and in a way, and if Slayer comes back after they're, you know, they say it's done in quotations and they come back again, they're capitalizing on nostalgia, but they really are the only band that can draw that kind of a crowd. They did it their way. That's why I hope they don't. Like, you know, Faith No More just announced three shows. I'm super excited because they've been dormant for a long time. But it's the same thing. I think it's just going to be like a Rage Against the Machine thing. Let me go do a couple shows, make festivals overseas, make a bunch of money, which I don't hold. I don't hold any bones about doing stuff like that, you know. But I, I feel like, I don't know, like the fans, when, when you do something like that, the fans get really excited about new music and all these things. But in essence, it is just like, hey, we're going to make some money real quick. But you know what? There, there are a lot of fans that are just like, Slayer's a town. You want to go? Yeah, sure, bro. Let's go. I mean, that's it. That's you it. Know? I mean, yeah. it's like, that's all you got to say is Slayer's coming to town. Let's get off the couch and bounce. Yeah. I mean, how often do we leave the house these days? True. And the last story I want to talk about is that I love this story because I'm, I'm a fan of, a huge fan of Zach Wilde, as you guys are as well. But uh, Zach Sabbath announced 50th anniversary shows for Black Sabbath. So a cover band is touring the anniversary of a classic band. I love this idea. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you guys got? Okay. I love the idea, but I also look at it like how many cover bands have somebody of Zach Wilde's notoriety and caliber behind them. So it's, it's really like, not a cover band. It's just like, it's, it's a, a cover band. band. I know it's a cover band. It's but a it's great like, cover band. It's I've seen a lot of band. They're it's an so, established. That's what cover I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like if you would have told me, like, let's just say Phil and Selma wants together and he wants to do. He's doing a cover thing with Pantera. Right well, he's now, doing right? a covering thing with Pantera, but does it even count as a cover band because he was the one singing those songs? I'm saying, like, if he wants. Oh, Phil yeah, and Selma was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to get together and we're going to do King Diamond. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in hearing that. <laughs> it sounds so bad. It would sound. I different. would love to see Phil and Selma do King Diamond. I would love to see Phil and Selma do Iron Maiden. I'd love to hear. I would. I just. It would be interesting. Every to see. band that he can't hit high notes on. You're like, you know, you know, he, he doesn't sing Cemetery Gates like you used to. Then you know what? You, you tune the guitar down and you fucking make it sound all right. But I mean, I think that's a. I see what you're saying. So a metal personality that has a fan base yes. doing a cover anniversary. Okay. Would be cool. I think that's fine. Look at it this I think, way. I actually yeah. like. I think you're, this is growing on me more and more. One of my favorite Anthrax albums is when John Bush did the Anthrax album that were all Belladonna songs. The Greater of Two Evils. Yes, called. yes. that was a fantastic record. Mm-hmm. You know, but granted, I mean, you can't find it anywhere now. It's like damn near impossible to find. Mm-hmm. But it was like you but, can find it in my closet. What? There you go. What, <laughs> baby boo? But yeah, dude, it's like. <laughs> But yeah, but I love that record. So I mean, anytime you get like a notor, like somebody with the notoriety of a mm-hmm. Phil Anselmo, and he's singing somebody else's. But yeah, I'm interested. I want to hear how that's going to go. Mm. That's that's it. That's all I'm saying. If you guys haven't seen Zach Sabbath, such a great band to see. I've seen him live twice now. Yeah, I, I fucking mm-hmm. well, dude. Zach, Zach Wilde's Wilde just, just so great. He's to an watch entertaining live. person. Yeah, anyway. he's just an entertainer as it is. But seeing him just go through, there's there's a passion to them. They they have a lot of fun playing those sucking Sabbath songs. So, with that, guys, let's jump into my interview with Clint Lowry. 
Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Clint Lowry. We are here to talk about his full-length debut solo record, God Bless the Renegades. It is coming out January 31st of 2020. Now, Clint, you've written many songs for many artists, um, but here, and you have a strong established you know, musical sound, but um, when you're putting your name out in front on a record, um, that's got to be a little more personal. So tell me about that decision with these songs. You know, uh, um, I mean, thanks for having me, man. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like you said, putting the name out. Um, I struggled on whether to even call it uh, Clint Lowry. You know, I always was a huge Trent Reznor fan, and he always had that Nine Inch Nail um, brand in front of him. And I just always thought that was cool. And uh, if anyone would ever have their name out, it would be someone like him. But so I, I debated on that. Then I, I realized I had these other projects. So I figured the best way to kind of encompass all of those and be able to perform them all, just, you know, use my name and uh, talk to a few people about it. And um, it seemed like the right thing to do. And then, then it was just like, what, what do I want to do as an artist? Like I can do anything. It was a liberating thing, but at the same time, I really, I was, I found myself overthinking and, I was going to do this very um, more of an electronic record. I was going to do like a three-piece power rock, you know, southern rock kind of thing. There was like all these things, that I, and I was going to do this super heavy, like all-out metal record, you know, and I was like, what do I want to do? And I just kind of found a common ground with this, like things that just I'm currently into, things that just represent what I'm into musically right now, but then kind of, covers every area of what I've all I've done with all these different bands, you know, so this is where I kind of ended up, but it was, it was a tough thing. Cause I'm like, this is my name. I, I have to do, I have to really own this and do it the best way I, that I, I know how that, that I'll be proud of. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And you did put out EPs, um, which I, you did all the music for those on the Ho- hello demons meet skeletons, right? EPs uh, about 10 years ago, you'd say, or no, yeah. I there's been a few installments of that. There was the the first one that was just I did everything with my brother. Mm-hmm. He produced and and then I did like other other versions of it that started becoming more electric all out rock records. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with with this one, was we were talking about like you you did everything, all the songs were done, but you did collaborate. You know, with the recording process. I know that uh, Wolfgang Van Halen helped you out on this record as well, and uh, Michael Elvis Basquiat. Tell me about their role in the project and, and how they did kind of help you get the record to the next level. Um, I mean, that's exactly what they did. Um, I had a relationship with Elvis through the Seven Dust record, and this was um, him and I working on this together. Um, was the first time I really got to know him as a producer. Like with the Seven Dust scene, there was so much, so many personalities and everything. So Elvis and I really bonded through that record um really getting to know each other on a musical level and you know it was a mutual respect i learned a lot from him and he learned about how my process was and he's just such a developer he would kind of shape things that i that were a little obscure that i thought were clever and he would just kind of iron those out and make it more direct and more more focused record woofy was i mean he's just incredible i was wanting to work with him years ago he was slated to do the drums for this thing that was, this was supposed to happen five or six years ago and never did. And Wolfie was ready. We were going to go out to LA and we were going to record songs. It never happened. So he was always the, the person I wanted to play drums on it. 
and he ended up playing bass. But he, he just brought this super energy. He plays with the songs. I don't think people realize how much of a monster drummer he is. So he was a he was a good collaborative soul there. Even though it was my record and ultimately my my decision on everything, um, he was. They were all very respectful, and they just helped me realize and helped me create this thing. And he he's such a powerhouse uh, creative person both of those guys it just was it was a really easy efficient record and so we laughed a lot everyone knew their knew how to play their instruments everywhere so a lot of the time we were just kind of hanging out and then we would track in between that you know so it was a it was a super um laid back record to make there's a lot of retrospection dude and surviving through some hard lessons in the lyrics um there's a lyric on first single kings dying at the bottom but we live like kings what past experience inspired this kind of viewpoint? Um, you know, it was it was one of those songs. You know, I have a it's pretty known. I, I always put it out there. Um, I, I I'm a recovering alcoholic, drug addict, and um, it's been 12 years since I've you know gotten out of that that haze. And then there's a, there's a there's a saying that um, you know. You, you don't regret the past, but you don't want to shut the door on it. And it's like this thing where all these things that happened, I'm thankful for them. I'm, I'm glad I've had these experiences, even the darker ones and the, the things that kind of tore me apart. But, um, I'm, you know, it sounds corny, but to be on the other side of it and to kind of rise up out of that, it's like it, it's a true testimony to, to what happened. I, I feel like. So, like, the Kings is kind of, it, you know, that lyric, we die, we're dying at the bottom, is humility to me. It means, you know, I was dying at the bottom, but, you know, we live like kings, meaning, you know, those those are some powerful experiences. They were they were some, like, you know, everyone says rock star stuff. You know, they, they have this definition of that, and that's, you know, I just use the word kings instead of that. But um, yeah, we did. I did a lot of things through music, but I survived it and got through the other side. And, and the verses just basically talk about getting through that. And um, you know, I collaborated with Drew Falk, which is a producer, engineer, writer. And uh, that was one song, the one of the two that I actually collaborated with someone on songwriting wise. So he helped kind of shape that song as well. But the, the overall message was just about getting through all that. And and uh, but looking back on it, and in a, in a, okay, I'm thankful that it happened, you know. Absolutely no, but I, I love that story though. I think that's a very important story, especially for a lot of artists coming up, because I think the story of decadence around rock and roll has has it's been lived generation after generation, and I do think when people are at a starting point, that is part of the appeal. Do you disagree with that? I, I absolutely don't disagree with that I, I think it's everything and honestly for me it was you see these things i mean it's a different era now like back when i was growing up it was the 80s it was over the top and so of course as a kid you're watching these people live these decadent lives well that's kind of cool as a rebellious young person you know it's it's awesome but i think it's kind of shifted a little bit i think the definition of of uh you know, definition of that musician, a high-profile musician has changed. You know, I'm an older guy, so obviously my, my my dynamic is different now than it was when I was younger. I do love the rebellious spirit. I do love that kids are attracted to chaos and expression uh, at an extreme level. I think that that's healthy. I think it's cool, and I think it's the spirit of everything that's heavy music, uh, rock music hip-hop everything i think that there is a, there is a need for that rebellion and that that um high energy 
lifestyle, but there is a very, I, I throw out a warning, you know, there's like, there's a, there's a, there's a moderation. It's a very dangerous environment. If you have any issues with, with any of those, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, anything that is, you can, um, abuse, um, it's not, it's a, it's a very testy, um, environment. So I, I would say, yeah, express yourself, do all those things, but be very careful. Um, cause it's a slippery slope for a lot of musicians because musicians are generally, you know, they, they're eccentric people. They have all these very highs and lows. And it's just something I would monitor and try to, if I were going to tell a young person, Hey man, go all out, but just be careful. It's going to be, you, you need to watch, you know, just, keep yourself healthy because without that it all goes away and dude that's a great lesson and i love the fact that you did bring that up because in the 80s uh, it seemed like there was no rules when you reached a certain level in any kind of musical kind of genre but now it, it there's more more rules to being a celebrity than i think a, a common person you lose more freedoms nowadays because of certain things like social media or you know paparazzi things like that that are always going to want to kick you when you're at your lowest now there was a statement that i saw that you did write that i really liked it said that social media is a it's a narcissistic culture that allows us to look into other people's lives and judge them like so it's really well said there's all these negatives about this platform and it seems overwhelming why do you think we all embrace it you know it, it's it's human nature um, I, I was reading, you know, because I'm really fascinated with it, and and this isn't me on a pedestal saying, oh, this is terrible for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm as guilty of it as anyone, you know, and I, I, if anything, in my kind of search to improve myself and to be a better person, I, I got to recognize my own flaws and my own things and my own behavior, and I'm very guilty of this, and I start looking at my motivations for all the things how much do I look at my phone? How, how concerned am I with the, the amount of likes and the comments and the com- confirmations and validations that we have? Um, and I just think it's, you know, there I've researched and, you know, there's, there's data that says it's equal to, it's, it's euphoric looking at those, those comments and look at those things and how we check it, it. It, it sets off the same things in your brain that kind of feed you know, a shot of whiskey or, you know, different things like that. There's a, there's a thing that goes with it. And now that it's been a more of a long-term thing, there's more data that's coming in. Now they're talking about taking away the, the likes and the, you know, because it's, it's feeding depression amongst teenagers and mm-hmm. all kinds of kids. And there's a fascination with it. And I think, I don't, I think the jury's still out on what this is going to do long-term in terms of, you know, we're all human. We all want to be loved. We all want to be validated. We all want this thing. And it's just an easy way. And people paint a, a, a not so true picture of themselves on there. People put the best of themselves, like the, the highlight reel, the highlight reel of their lives is on social media. Rarely do you have someone that'll put something real on there. That's like, I don't look so great. I don't feel so great. I don't, I don't I'm mentally not feeling great. You know, everyone's, you know, for the most part, so it's it's a it's a tricky culture. It's a tricky. I think there's great things about it, and I think there's very dangerous things about it too. Yeah, I always look at just me from you know my perspective is I look at people and I say, what is popular right now, and that's what people want to be like the youth. You know, like when we we're growing up, like rock and roll was popular. Like so, we all kind of had these dreams of that. But what's popular now is 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 escapism. That's different. That when you used to do video games, being a superhero. So to present yourself 
in a false light that you're more than human, that's something you can try to do on those social networks because you control the narrative, you think, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it's a great point. I never thought about it like that. I mean, there is, that is, that is, you know, with filters and everything, you can really add this superhuman quality to what your profile looks like, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy. And if you embrace that, and that's what you desire, like I said, with the entertainment culture that is extremely popular, and I, and I use superhero movies, and again, I'm not saying anything in a negative light, I, I am a fan of these things. Oh, but, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan, but they are as popular as things come, is what I'm saying, and they are as fictional as things come. So it's just one of those things where you can say the same thing about the old rock and roll lifestyle. I think a lot of it was, you know, put out there in a fictional way <laughs> so uh, it's not like totally. it's not like anything's better on this side of the fence but i do think that that's an avenue that we we didn't have to pretend you know um on a global scale and yeah dude it's it's an interesting thing because i always thought i always look at things like i'm a positive person i'm like well, well there's a lot of positives to it as well but as more time goes on i i'm seeing less and less of that because i don't know the proper usage of social media that won't affect you in a negative light. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's all the, the, the individual mm -hmm. as well. Like, I try to be a positive on there. I just feel like there's some, there's, it's like uncool to just, I, I put a lot of things out. I put like a gratitude list out. Mm. I, I do things like that. I, my, my, my main goal is to uh, connect with those kind of people. And so people are scrolling through this decadent, whatever lifestyle, you know, selfie kind of thing. And, oh, man, this is like, you can play this music and you can be positive as well. You, you can put out negative, you know, some of my songs are very sad and this and that, but at the same time, my, my real life is, um, I'm, a, I'm a dad, I, I love, I want to treat other people cool. I want to be nice to other people. I don't want to, I'm not trying to, you know, wreck anything i'm just trying to live my life you know and, and and escape through this music so that's what i try to present out there and it is what it is i'd rather fail doing that as opposed to putting up some fake facade like this all rock start out and and this and that so i have this false image of myself that isn't me i can't sustain that exactly well said and i, I want to go back to the record because the record is a positive one and it gives a hopeful vibe i, I mean after i listen to it um and that seems to be your personality coming through. I mean, was that vital for this project because it is your name on it? You know, I mean, where I'm at now as a person, I mean, lyrically, you know, there's uh, there's always a little bit of a dark overtone or more of a cynical kind of view because some of it's addressing the social media thing like you and I discussed. And then there's other things that are just, you know, flirting with my relationship with God on the last song, Do We For God? It's very uplifting kind of song but it's also saying I, i'm just not i'm kind of hesitant to go all the way into that world and just call them you know call it for what it is you know it's it's a process i'm trying to have trust and i don't quite have it all the way and and um you know just where i'm at right now but some of the songs are hopeful and and uplifting but there's still this overtone to them that's like minor and sad and just just that's what I just like musically. I like that. So I mean, yeah, there's this negative sound of music with some super uh, uplifting lyrics on some of the songs, and um, you know, it's just what I, what I feel like makes sense for me. Excellent, man. Yeah, and you brought up your relationship with God, and I know 
a lot of times people will aim that towards religion, but to me, it's not the same. It's, it's a, a faith and a belief system, um, that you gain throughout the years. Um, was that difficult for you to maintain that faith and belief system all through the years? Yeah, I, I'm the same way, man. I, I don't like to pit, I don't like to pinpoint it to an exact religion or any, I, I have a relationship with something higher than myself that I, I have true conversations with and they aren't always hunky-dory positive they're aggravating and frustrating and and all these questions that i have about you know and there's doubts in all of it you know but it's an ongoing thing like you said there's it's always there even when i my most distant feeling from what i call god there's still a connection it could be resentful at times you know like why why is this you know and does anything really happen is there hell is there not hell is there why, why would we be condemned to an eternity, you know, if um, we're human? We're at the capacity. We make, we're, we're built to make mistakes, you know. And so it's, there's all these things, but it's always an ongoing relationship. And it's always, I do believe, so that it, doesn't matter, it doesn't mean it needs to be all, you know, positive all the time. I'm human. I have doubts. I have these things. I just work through them, you know, in different ways. And sometimes, like right now, everything's great and I feel good and I feel connected. But uh, that's that's up and down, you know. I take it a day at a time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Life is life is uh, either peaks or valleys. I try to just keep it at a plateau. <laughs> I try to just get yeah, a, too, a little high and then a little low. I just don't want the highs and downs because then I can always, uh, like I said, I can always see kind of a silver lining if I may quote a song, you know, off of the record. But um, yeah, yeah, man, <laughs> it's a great song, guys. Silver Lining. Check it out. I know it's not released yet, but yeah, that's why you can as a pre-order this record. Once again, guys, if you haven't heard me, it's called God Bless the Renegades, and it's coming out January 31st, 2020. And now, Renegades, we all have a different definition for them. I love Renegades. I know, I think that me and you have the same de- definition, but what Renegade was most influential to you growing up and as an older person um, and wiser person? Do you look at them differently now? Um, the renegades to me were the people that thought outside the box that did, did everything a little bit differently. And at first were resisted and then they became embraced by everyone and sometimes horrified the person that invented it. (laughs) You know, the person that invents this thing at first has this resistance and everyone kind of comes around. And then the person that felt unique and special now everyone is just jumping on it's a lot easier for people to take an original idea and see something original and say oh i I always thought that i always believed that it's easier for artists to see someone break through some kind of break new ground and all of a sudden they they get influenced by it and then they call it their own um renegades to me are like you know there's obviously the first musical one like Jimi hendrix was that he broke every single rule that there was you know and he was playing differently and more exaggerated and all this. And and it just kind of created this whole new branch of music. And it just, it was a huge part of musical history. And, you know, Trent Reznor was one of those people to me that when he came out, it was, it was not like everything else. There was other things that he was influenced by, but for me, he was, he was that kind of renegade spirit. Um, there's, there's been a other few things, um, just people, I won't ever get into like, um, any political religion religion thing, but you know, there's there's people that just do things that are like, wow, man, thank you for doing that or saying that. When everyone else is kind of doing the sheep mentality, everyone follows what 
everyone else is doing and no one everyone's scared to say or do anything differently <clears throat> um for the most part and um that's just what a renegade is to me is just someone that just kind of speaks up and does something like hey that I, I see what you're doing but i think this is cool too or i don't care about what you think about this is what i'm this is how i feel you know mm-hmm. and just people like that just make your head tail a little bit like oh that's oh wow i can't believe they said that i can't believe they did that it's that's you know, it's liberating. You're like, I, I kind of feel the same way, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just people that influence me like that. And uh, that's why the whole God bless the renegades is like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for just saying what needed to be said when it needed to be said. Dude, and, and that's a, it's a great title because people that usually come up with the idea first, they never get the credit. It's always, like you said, a couple waves later that were influenced. And then people are like, wow, they kind of invented this. But the underground artist kind of falls to the wayside that influenced that person in a lot of ways until they give them credit, which is always something in music I always see. People will go back and be like, I was influenced by this, you know? Yeah. But there's... Yeah, you never realize, like, you know, who was, like, with Corn, and they'll mm-hmm. credit Faith No More. Yeah, yeah, Faith No More, perfect example. Things like that. It's like, oh, that's where it came from, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then you go back, and you're like, wow, and you can completely see where it came from. But again, when you're talking, you know, with corn, their rise and their they're much bigger than Faith No More ever was. Now, Faith No More is very popular. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Like they, I know exactly. It's, yeah. it's a great example of what you were talking about. Where the, you know, you have these pioneers, and corn absolutely did their own thing. Mm-hmm. They are true pioneers. They are. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the template where the template came from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Now, one thing I did see when I saw the poster for the Epicenter, I did see that you're booked on that show. So you will be touring and playing shows behind this album. Um, given your extensive catalog, what will the set list look like? Are you going to focus on these songs? Yeah, I'll, the, the main, I'd say 80% will be these songs. And I'll, I'll probably throw in like, you know, different things every night like i'll do like christmas day from seven to us one night i'll do a couple of the call me no ones maybe an h uh, hello demons meet skeleton song just so that those um very underground fans of mine will be entertained and it'll keep it exciting and i want people to have nowadays everyone films everything about all the shows so it'll be a good way to get content if i just switch it up a lot but the, the majority of the set will be songs off the, re- the debut and uh and then everything else would be sprinkled with just different songs and different, you know, different from different little projects that I've released just for little nuggets for people to kind of get a kick out of the few that do know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great, dude. I love the deep cuts. You, you, and, you, and you'll always hear the one person in the audience that knows it gives you that loud scream. <laughs> so, yeah, the one dude right there like, hey! <laughs> dude, that's great. That's what you do. The deep cuts are where, I don't know, man. I think that's where you find your true fans. That's what I always say. I love the deep cuts. Now, Absolutely. When you, um, you know, so with this record, how much touring do you plan on doing for this project, though? I, I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going out with Alter Bridge in February. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do some stuff in March and April, um, few festivals in May, and then hopefully see where things are at. Seven Dust will be kicking back in around June or July. So I just kind of, do as much as I can in that small window. And then I'll, I'll continue in, even in between seven dust on the downtime of that. I'll go do show a couple shows here and there just to keep this thing moving. Cause I think it's going to be fun. It's yeah. Gonna be co- something cool. It's going to be excellent. So, and you did bring up seven dust. Um, the last record you guys put out a couple years ago, 
uh, all, all I see is war. Um, how is um, the songwriting process with that going on? Do you guys have anything going on right now? Oh, that's done, man. We've we've mm. completely wrapped up a new Seven Us record. A week, uh, actually today, I think was I was singing the last song, and we'll we'll sit on that for a while. We may record some more, but I think we're pretty much there. So that'll sit. We'll sit on that for a while. Uh, we our, our thinking was we'd rather just come. We came off the road and went straight in the studio for the most part. We've never done that before. We did it once with when we did the home record. So we finally we just thought, well, let's try it now instead of like doing it at the end of our time off. Let's do it at the beginning and then just really truly rest. And it ended up being a cool thing, I think. Nice, dude. Nice. So no plans on releasing it, but we do know it's complete. So there's definitely one coming it's, out in the future. Yeah, it's definitely done. It's in the can. So nice. it'll be pretty cool too, I think. That is, that, how, do, how does that feel though? You got you, and when did you write this record? Out of curiosity, did you do it kind of in the same time period, or was it a little bit throughout the years? I, it's, it was a little bit. There was about two years in the making, three years in the making. Some songs I just had for a while. Some were new, but um, and I recorded it back in June. So um, yeah, it was it was a. I had a long time to write it. I knew I was going to do it. I had a lot of time to do it before I released it. So I developed. I wrote thirty, forty songs for it. Mm. So and then Elvis helped me pick the ones that we decided on. Perfect, man. Excellent news. So, last last question I got for you. So, as you mentioned, you wrote thirty or forty songs for this one. And in the past, you did like to kind of release the EPs, you know, with Hello Demons, Meet Skeletons. Um, on this project, are you going to kind of focus more on the LP format, or do you think you're going to trickle some songs out here and there throughout the time? I, you know, it's a great question, man. I, I honestly would like to. You know, now that this is out, I would like to change the format a bit and then release um, EPs and stuff like that throughout and just kind of keep it alive that way instead of doing a full-length record every time. Um, I think there's a, there's a cool... There's something cool about just releasing music, you know, here and there. Um, you're still releasing the same amount of content, just not a huge bulk, you know? I think it was important to establish myself with one full-length and to maybe do EPs from this point on. Um just because it's just a cool way to keep it fresh for the artist too. And, you know, it takes the pressure off. You do, you know, five or six songs and really just concentrate on making those as as good as you can, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, that the, I think that's a, a good move. And then us as fans, because of the way music is these days, we're kind of overwhelmed a lot. We, um, with, totally. with full lengths, we do lose tracks cause we're, you know, cause we're, instead of paying attention to like five or six songs when we got 10, sometimes we'll, we'll lose them, you know, because there's too much going yeah. on. So I do really embrace that EP format, you know, and don't get me wrong back in the day, the 78 minute, you know, Metallica records did it for me for sure. So I'm not saying don't do that, but the point is, is that it's just a different time, you know, it's just a different time and you want to give the music Absolutely. the right amount of uh, listening power. So, with that, dude, I want to I want to tell everybody one more time, guys. Clint Lowry, his debut solo record, well, debut full length solo record, we'll say. God bless the Renegades. It's coming out January thirty first, twenty twenty, guys. Make sure you're pre ordering it. He's gonna be touring all the way up till June, as we just mentioned. Well, you know, check dates, but in North America, you'll be going all the way up to June with Alter Bridge. And also, like I said, I saw you were going to play a couple festivals and things like that. So um, really excited to catch this this record and these songs live, man, because that's the second part of the journey as a fan. we got to hear it live, and then, then we have the connection. Right, man. Yeah, so. It's going to be good, man. I appreciate you very much, brother. I've been through hell just for this. I had my say. I found my way. 
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the record. God bless the Renegades. Like I said, it's the debut full-length record from Clint Lowry, his solo project. That track is called Kings. And the last song you guys heard is from a band called Avatarium. The record, The Fire I Long For, that is the title track, is out now. It's an excellent record, guys. I'm glad I can play that track for you guys. And with that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep seeing up on iTunes and everything. You guys mean the world to us. You are the best. We got some emails. We will talk about them next week because I forgot. <laughs> totally blanked. I totally blanked on the emails, dude. We got You, got, you started thinking about Tommy Lee's dick, and yeah. it just went all of a sudden. Memory took off. <sighs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it either. <laughs> saw I hear it. it's big. Yeah, Pete saw it steer a boat. I didn't see it. That's okay. cute. But I know about it. Yeah. Toot, toot. I heard it. See, I know about it, and I know about the boat steering, but that's all <laughs> We should do another podcast called Dick Talk with Brandon Hahn. Dick Talk. <laughs> just, Actually, that should be a thing. That should yeah. be a thing. Dick Talk. You could probably talk. do an hour a week We should on make Dick that up. It's the new app. Yeah. Dick Talk. Dick Talk. <laughs> <laughs> like Tick Talk. Yeah, like Tick. Thank yeah. you, Sylvia. Mm-hmm. You were there to save, I, the, save the day. I knew what you were talking for those about. Of you, for those of them that were like, what? I don't get it. Dick Tick Talk. Dick Talk, dude. You are a genius, Brandon. We will get to those um, <laughs> We will get to those emails. Three of them were saying, why haven't we done a hashtag meow too? Oh, bit. we're too late, bro. Fuck. No, we're not. We're too late. I'll get to it. No, it's we, 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 we pass. I told everybody, I'm like, guys, I think we missed the boat on the meow too. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, we, so we missed that bit. Anyways. If I, that, make, if I make one, you'll play it, you son of a bitch. Of course I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, guys, thank you again for the five-star review. Thank you for supporting our other podcast, Rise to Offend. We truly appreciate everything you guys do. We hope everybody had a beautiful holiday during this uh, Thanksgiving, during this last week and all that. You guys are the best. Until next week, my friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.